companies that tend to embrace change rather than fear it are the ones that are going to be able to be resilient and bounce into any new model like this. to Legal Skinny Podcast with Trisha Verita. I'm a 15-year licensed practicing attorney in the state of Texas. I created Legal Skinny because when I've been invited to do educational seminars on different subjects in employment law, employers and HR professionals would often ask me, where can they find out a little more information on this or a little more information on that? Look, there's a lot of resources out there, but sometimes it's confusing and people are so busy. Sometimes people have only 30 or 15 or maybe even five minutes in their day to devote to learning something new. On this podcast, you'll hear me have discussions and interviews on topics relevant to employers. Disclaimer though, Legal Skinny is for entertainment and informational purposes only, not meant to provide legal advice and does not create an attorney-client relationship. Also, remember, laws change or they differ by jurisdiction. So this is not a substitute for seeking legal counsel in your jurisdiction on the current law applicable to you. The Legal Skinny with Trisha Verita. And uh, today we'll be talking a little bit about telework. So, telework uh, and telecommuting, um, the work from home situation has become the new reality for many employers. And so, I wanted to kind of discuss a little bit about the legal issues uh, that come about with telework, what um, employers are, are having to face and consider. Uh, the Americans with Disabilities Act, which is uh, regulated um, by the EEOC that enforces uh, workplace anti-discrimination laws, um, including in the Rehabilitation Act, which includes the requirement for reasonable accommodation and non-discrimination based on disability. There's just been a lot of activity out of the EEOC giving guidance related to these accommodations for disabilities and for individuals um, and how that may not be comfortable working in the workforce right now because of COVID-19 or because the employers made choices that they wanna have some of their employees work from home. Uh, The discussion with the EOC has been about how telework is now being used more frequently as a potential accommodation to these individuals. Now, telework as an accommodation under the Americans with Disabilities Act is not a new thing. This has been around for quite a while. It's just that telework uh, prior to the new information and guidance we've received under the pandemic rules had really never uh, put it as um, a potential focus of an accommodation if it wasn't normal for the positions to be teleworked. So when a workforce never really used telework before, it may not be a reasonable accommodation. See, when the employee comes to the employer and requests some type of accommodation, at that point, it's expected under the Americans with Disabilities Act for the employer to shift into what they call the interactive process. And this is sort of 
the conversation that happens between the employer and the employee discussing about what are the different choices and the potential accommodations available to the employee. So after the CDC declared that the COVID-19 was a pandemic, we received guidance from the EEOC uh, under these pandemic rules, uh, in short. And in those rules, the EEOC uh, released called the Pandemic Preparedness in the Workplace and the Americans with Disabilities Act. There was uh, some interesting discussions and there continues to be in their releases related to how telework may be an accommodation for certain individuals that may not be able to come back into the workforce related to some COVID-19. And so as employers try to figure out what's the next step and how do they deal with telework, um, one thing that they have to consider is not to just immediately tell the employee potentially, hey, we're not gonna do telework. Uh, telework may be a reasonable accommodation and absent the employer being able to show undue hardship. And so undue hardship uh, can be a range of things, but just because there's a financial expense with accommodations doesn't necessarily get you there that that meets uh, it being an undue hardship on the employer. And so as employers try to figure out whether or not telework is an appropriate accommodation, there's a whole nother set of issues that come along with telework and a telework force. Now, as an employer, you know, it may be a decision based on the fact that you want to try to preserve some of the workforce. So part of your, your individual employees may be able to telework as a solution to, you know, sort of social distancing within the workforce. Um, but and under the Americans with Disabilities Act, now uh, the telework situation has become uh, more of the forefront and needs to be considered by employers as to how they kind of determine if that accommodation is appropriate. Now, since we're talking about teleworking and how it works, I uh, was excited um, to have both my guest and a longtime friend, fellow business owner, Jane Lynn, uh, join me as my guest today. So. Her resume and background is quite impressive as she's been the director of digital marketing at Disney, head of retail customer marketing at Google, as well as a number of other fancy gigs. So she now owns her own company, Mindswell, where among other services they offer, one is successful remote team transition, which is why I know she's the perfect fit to give some insight on successful teleworking for employers. So let me welcome Jane into the show. Hello. Hey, how are you? Hi. Very good. Thanks for having me. Thanks for joining me today. Can you give me a little background about you and your uh, company? Yeah, absolutely. Well, first, hello from the San Francisco Bay Area, where I'm joining you here uh, today. And um, Mindswell is actually based out of Los Angeles, although I have pretty much, uh, I think I can say I've pretty much teleworked from every continent besides Antarctica, because of course, you know, Antarctica doesn't have summer, so not as great of a teleworking destination. <laughs> but, um, you know, so it's only natural, I think, um, for the consulting company that uh, I created called Mindswell was born digitally native, as in all of the work that we do is online and our team is completely distributed uh, as in, teleworks 100% even prior to the pandemic situation. Um, what Mindswell does is that we create meaningful work opportunities for self-employed digital professionals. And uh, together we deliver digital marketing, content and executive solutions and services for our clients 
who are in various industries, including e-commerce, tech, and real estate. Thanks, Jane. Uh, so looking to hear more about that as we discuss this, but as as I was talking at the top of this podcast about the new EEOC guidelines, really, you know, putting telework as a potential accommodation for disabilities and individuals that need to stay home during COVID-19. Uh, in that kind of discussion and thought process, as employers have faced telework, for me and what I've seen, uh, as it's been um, sort of a shock for some employers to transition to telework, uh, it appears. And, and some companies, though, transitioned seamlessly. You know, it was always sort of part of their plan, it appears like that. But I just wonder, do you have any thoughts on why it was easier for some companies to transition into this telework versus others? Yeah, you know, I think one of the the uh, characteristics that I've noticed in companies that have done really well or had smooth transitions, I think one of the key aspects is their culture, because I find that companies that have a culture that uh, does not necessarily value the FaceTime. So it's not so much about showing your face in the office, but more values productivity. They are a more natural fit because um, it's not about having to be there 100%. So just because they're not there doesn't mean you know they're not working, but also that there's many of these productivity types of tools that help you be able to track everyone's progress um, and, and be able to manage expectations, which I can touch on a little bit later. But I think, you know, also companies that tend to embrace change rather than fear it um, are the ones that are going to be able to be resilient and bounce into any new model like this. Uh, for example, you know, traditional retail is getting hit really hard right now. But those companies that can quickly pivot into e-commerce and teleworking and dare to just kind of figure things out along the way are the ones that um, are making it um, into this seamless transition and don't skip a beat. Um, I think another key aspect of what I'm seeing is that companies that are very tech forward have an easier time as well. So you don't have to be a tech company, but those who utilize tech in their in their daily work, like cloud-based tools and applications to do their work, um, are the ones that aren't as disrupted with teleworking. But even those that aren't, um, there's ways to, you know, just kind of establish those tools and processes. And that's what we help our teams with, uh, our clients with, is to be able to make that smooth transition, even if you are not generally a tech or digitally native company, to be able to act as one by utilizing the same tools, processes, and technologies that these types of companies who have had an easier transition uh, that they do. Now, it's, I saw in your company that you do this successful remote team transition. So is that is that what you're referencing kind of there? Yeah, yeah, because we're a digitally native consultancy and that everything that we do is already online um, and cloud-based, and most of our clients are also digitally based, um, such as the e-commerce companies or the subscription services. So teleworking kind of comes naturally to us. So therefore we've kind of taken the, the existing frameworks that we use, processes, templates, and created and sort of packaged that up to be able to help other companies that aren't digitally native or are not used to teleworking to be able to make this smooth transition because there are a lot of things to consider um, when it comes to just that different construct of being able to work together. So, um, you know, a lot of it is even just the fuzzy things, not necessarily a hard 
set of templates or processes, but rather the soft skills that are required for teleworking. And what do you mean by soft skills? So, um, so yeah, the, the communication aspect. Um, do you want me to get into that now or? Sure. Okay. Yeah, so another key, you know, one of the key pieces to success in the, in the transition is about over communicating. When you don't have the cubicle drive-bys anymore or the water cooler chats, you have to make this conscious effort to check in with your teams and, man, and, and you know, each of their well-beings or like find out how they're really doing because um, you won't build a sense if someone's struggling as easily as you would if you were able to see them daily. So it's important to create a safe space um, and set aside time for things like one-on-one -on -one check ins. Um, video chats uh, are really helpful because then you can kind of see directly not just the verbal cues, but visual cues as well to stay in close contact. Um, I think in along those lines with communication that it does take this extra effort of keeping any, everyone in the loop. So anytime there's key announcements or updates that you, it's really important to um, make sure that there's meeting recaps that are sent out through email, um, clear action items and next steps so that nothing gets lost in this translation of, uh, or, or lost in translation from being just distant. Um, I think, you know, when you're in person, it's much easier to kind of clarify, or if you're in a bigger meeting, um, you can just kind of either have a sidebar, quick question, uh, or you have uh, sort of chats within chats when you're in person, um, or, or some kind of sidebars. But when you're working when you're teleworking, you don't necessarily have those natural types of opportunities. So you just have to really make that extra effort to clarify outcomes of meetings um, and make sure everyone is on the same page as to what the key takeaways were and what is expected of them going forward. Um, and yeah, now that we're using video conferencing a lot, um, one thing that I see, you know, clients do because to kind of balance out too much video, it can be overwhelming as well. <laughs> yeah, so for some, sure. Yeah, so some clients I see uh, will determine or set sort of, okay, in our weekly team meetings, everyone is expected to have their video on, but then maybe other times it's not expected. So it's really, I think, about setting clear expectations is extra important when you're telling, teleworking. That's kind of interesting that that you mentioned that with the the too much video or the too much. There's a productivity issue there too, as being like conscious of when you're scheduling all these required meetings. I think while the employer employee is trying to work, I've had a lot of employers where, um, you know, they've implemented uh, these telework policies to kind of explain some of these expectations that you're discussing. So I think some of the stuff that you're saying, you know, they could go in some sort of policy format or some sort of structural format so that it's real clear to everybody. Is that kind of what you're saying as well? Yeah, so a big part of what we do when we help teams transition is to create clear processes. So literally lay out, you know, so um, this is how we operate. First, when we start a project, um, this is how we start one. So for example, it may be, you know, um, so-and-so, who is responsible for, for kicking us off? Um, what does that look like? Um, what tools do we use? And then how do we move along in this process? So say, for example, if it's a, 
um, a marketing campaign creation. Just take that um, as as like a, a project per se. Well, who is responsible for putting together the briefings of what this project or campaign will look like and what's expected? Um, and document that. And then what are what format are they expected to hand off their deliverables? So if they're creating a briefing, is this something that needs to be done in, in Microsoft Office? Is this something that uh, the team uses Google Drive for? Um, but just to, to set standards for the team so that everyone can operate along the same lines. And then it's very clear that, okay, so that person then hands off this, say, Google Doc to the next person who then creates um, uh, creative and, and copywriting and so on. So assigning each person uh, very clearly what their role is in the process and what tools they should use, how long they have to do it. And that way it becomes a very scalable, repeatable, smooth process going forward. And I think it's very important that these processes are documented and shared in a place on a shared drive uh, for the team to always reference so that there's very little ambiguity about who's doing what and when and how. See, I think that's key what you're mentioning there because the, and I know some employers are thinking, oh my gosh, this sounds like more work to telework them. But I think if you if you put the policy in place about what your expectations are, and then you have these processes that you're talking about building into it, you know, you it, it should be super clear to the employee and through the paperwork as to what the expectations of them performing the job are. So some point later, the employer's trying to issue discipline or something that can still happen with telework. I feel like, you know, sometimes employers are like, well, how do I discipline them? I don't see them, you know, I don't know them. Well, I think kind of what we're talking about here, you know, sets that up to go, okay, did I clearly communicate what my expectations were to this employee? Did the employee have an opportunity from, you know, the processes and the communication with them to kind of perform and where are we at now? Like, and, and there's probably going to be some more extra steps, I think, trying to, you know, make sure they understood what their job is. Right. But like, I kind of see it as it's worth it in the front end to get this stuff sort of right so that you're not in the back end where an employee's been at home, you're not seeing results, everyone's frustrated and, you know, there, there's, you know, nobody knows exactly what to do because, you know, it's a new situation. Exactly. Yeah. And I think it's, it's uh, not even so much that it takes extra, as much extra time as you think setting things up, because if you don't have it, you're also sort of flailing to figure out who's doing what. And it takes longer because you're probably calling more people or emailing more people to figure out uh, who exactly is, do where, where is the ball? Who, you know, who's holding the ball right now? Yeah. So <laughs> if you actually just set up the processes from, from day one, then actually it's, it doesn't require as much extra time as you would think. Well, that was good to know. <laughs> I'm sure some people will take a relief with that. Is there some tools or anything that you would kind of suggest that they sort of maybe look into using uh, to kind of uh, help aid them as they work through this? Yeah, so I think you know tools become essential in teleworking because they're they are what facilitates the work because it's no longer in person. Everything happens virtually, so it's very important to have tools where you can work in context. So one of the things that I think that employers struggle with a lot is sort of managing um, status reporting 
per se, or just keeping track of people's progress and the team's work uh, versus just getting the work done. So there are now, you know, tools that are really wonderful at handling both. So um, some of the the, tool, the top of the line or sort of the industry leaders right now in project management tools are Asana and Monday.com. Now, what those tools uh, do is they not only provide a, a structure for a project plan, so laying out steps on what needs to happen in the project, but also allows the team members to work in context of each task so that there's no need, if you need to um, check in on where things are at, you just go look in the in the tool. So Asana or Monday.com or whatever other project management tool you're using, you would be able to actually follow the trail of you know, people answering questions back and forth about a particular task. And then when deliverables are created for the task, they're expected to be attached into that task. So then there's not really a need or as much of a need of keeping up status because then you're already working in context of the projects. Uh, not to say that status reporting is not important. I think one of the uh, things that I see work really well is having team members set expectations or, or drive their own priorities uh, week to week, but the managers will check in and track progress on a weekly basis to say, all right, well, we agreed that these were the things that you were going to produce this week. Where are we now? And now what do you plan to do the next week? So that then it becomes a collaborative effort even on setting the goals for the week and tracking to outcomes. So in that me method, if they you know use this, will that help with the culture? Is there any kind of tips or thoughts you have feelings on as far as like, uh, how do you create a culture with the teleworkforce? You know, uh, what what are what are employers to do? Are, are people still going to feel connected with the company and and you know the mission? Yeah, I think you know you end up having to rely on all these different uh, communication tools. So. So not only is there, of course, video chat now with tools like Zoom and Google Meet and BlueJeans, but also, you know, we of course still have email and a lot of the teams are now using Slack as sort of instant messaging and collaboration tool. So there's yet another, and then of course there's phone and there's text messaging. So all these different communication channels are great, but of course they can be overwhelming as well. So I think again, it's about setting expectations of, okay, these are the types of things that require a meeting or a video a video meeting. Um, these are the types of things that should be discussed in email. And then these are the types of things that uh, we should use instant messenger and collaborate through Slack or another instant message chat channel. Um, and you know, for more urgent things, you text uh, and certain other things you set up phone calls and it's different. That's why I'm not really dictating what should be done through uh, or communicated through what channel, but I think just sort of setting up those expectations are what creates this culture of accessibility because you have to be accessible to each other because if you're not, that's when it starts to feel like you, you feel disconnected. So you want to feel very connected to each other without feeling overwhelmed. So part of setting expectations, I think, is about setting expectations about availability, too. So when do you expect people to be online and available to chat or email or be responding to emails? Um, or do they set their own hours? 
it's just things that you have to discuss and think through and then communicate to your team. But also I find a lot of teams enjoy kind of having fun time over chat as well. So um, virtual happy hours are happening, um, playing games or setting up sort of team activities that don't have to do with specific work and just kind of helping each other unwind together and really checking in to see how you're doing as people through this whole pandemic situation. You know, everyone's got so much more or so much change to deal with, not even just within work. So um, sometimes setting aside uh, time to do that and, and just check in and uh, have fun with each other still, just as you would do in, in real life. That's good. Like I, I could see that. <laughs> it is a struggle though. I mean, Blue Jean Friday isn't the same, right? Because it's Blue Jean every, every day. <laughs> so exactly. Uh, yeah. I mean, it's it's gonna it's gonna be a struggle, I think. But as things, I mean, uh, progress. If there is, you know, you're still working with the teleworkforce. I think certainly, you know, as I'm seeing more cases with employers of COVID nineteen in the workforce. Um, they're having to send people home to work. Some of them still, you know, maybe not even having symptoms. So they may be able to work, you know, and kind of trying to work through, you know, how easily can you transition to telework? And even if you aren't doing it currently, is it something you're going to need to do in order to continue to keep the company productive and the individual employees productive? But I, I, I think these thoughts are great, Jane. Uh, so you know, I, I'm seeing some of these major corporations saying, okay, we're going to telework the rest of the year. Uh, is telework here to stay, you think? Are some employees just not ever going to come back? Like, what do you think? Yeah, I mean, there's already a trend of some employers like Twitter saying, you know, there's they are forever a telework company now and employees can work uh, remotely for good. And so I do think this this is just triggering a shift. So, I, you know, COVID, I think... Um, or this pandemic is just accelerating what would have happened over a course of five to 10 years, but it's just suddenly, you know, forcing us to face uh, or to accelerate this progress instantly over three months instead. And so I think, you know, there's, there's not necessarily, I don't see every company or this working, this model working for every company going forward, but I do think there's going to be somewhat of a hybrid where maybe it's maybe companies or don't need as much, office space. So maybe you get together um, every once in a while, once we can again, uh, safely get together um, on a quarterly basis or a monthly basis, but maybe it's not required of everyone to be in the office, or maybe it's optional. I see a lot of companies transitioning into hybrid models going forward, even after we don't have to be teleworking anymore. So I do think that there is this shift because once you are forced into this teleworking model, you figure out your processes, the way you operate, your culture, then it becomes the new normal. So then it's not so scary anymore. And I think a, a lot of companies end up um, finding that there are benefits to teleworking um, and you save that commute time, you know? So <laughs> I think <laughs> that in some ways it is here to stay, even if it's not a hundred percent, I think a lot of companies are transitioning into these hybrid models going forward. I think just on the legal piece of that too, since accommodations um, are being made by employers to telework, you know, uh, the question there always with the with the Americans with Disabilities Act is, you know, the employer would need to show an undue hardship to not give the accommodation. Now that everyone's sort of showing they can telework, 
I, I think there's going to be certainly a transition. We'll see what the cases look like moving forward as to how employers show now it's a hardship when they've clearly shown they've been able to, to telework. So, uh, it, you know, maybe not the the news that the employers want to hear, but uh, it's it's certainly it's certainly different. There's not a lot of control we have over it, of course, right now. I think people are just trying to make sure their companies are working there. They can keep their workforce as healthy as possible so that, you know, the whole company can still be productive. So everyone still has jobs. Right. Uh, so it's just kind of a little tricky. But I, I really appreciate you being my guest uh, here today, Jane. And uh, do you mind if I do my legal skinny rundown with you? Let's do it. OK. All right. Beach or mountains? Mountains overlooking the beach. <laughs> Elvis or the Beatles? Elvis. Ah, my family took me to Graceland when I was about 12 and I became obsessed with his whole story. So definitely an Elvis fan. Most influential book you've read? Uh, there's many, but I would say the four hour work week was very influential on me because it was the first uh, book that sort of got me thinking outside of the lines of having to live life in a certain way or, or down a traditional path. So it's kind of the book that got me thinking about ditching life's playbook and, and creating my own path. Um, so yeah, that that's uh, one that I've read multiple times. Love that. All right, dead or alive, what famous person would you invite to dinner? Well, tacking onto my the last uh, question then, I would have dinner with Tim Ferriss, the, office, the author of The Four Hour Workweek, just to pick his brain. I, I feel like he's uh, sort of a spirit animal to me. So it would be... <laughs> Fun to pick his brain. I love that. All right. Finally, uh, in uh, one minute or less, what is the skinny on teleworking for employers? Rip off that Band-Aid. Because <laughs> once you do, I think you'll find that um, even if you don't love it holistically, there's going to be things that uh, do work better for teleworking or that are benefits of that. And so it really just takes just doing it as as um, as scary as big changes like this can be. Once you do it, you always find that it's not nearly as hard as uh, maybe you originally had anticipated. Nice thought. And uh, if someone wants to get in touch with you or your company, what's the best way? What's your contact? I welcome anyone to reach out. I'm happy to to answer any further questions or discuss any particular challenges that you may have. Um, you can reach me at jane at mindswell.group. Thanks, Jane. And that's Legal Skinny on teleworking. So to get the Legal Skinny and other topics, check out LegalSkinny.com. Thanks. Thanks, Trisha. Bye. Bye. Thanks for joining us on this episode of the Legal Skinny Podcast. Do not forget to subscribe to get future podcast episodes. Also, check out LegalSkinny.com to join our newsletter and get details on all the educational resources we offer for the employer. Also, disclaimer, remember Legal Skinny is for entertainment and informational purposes only. Not meant to provide legal advice and does not create an attorney-client relationship. Laws change or they differ by jurisdiction. So also remember, this is not a substitute for seeking legal counsel in your jurisdiction on the current law applicable to you.